0: RadioInfluence.com. Football
1: fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to
0: find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Well, we have reached Championship Saturday in college football. We have also reached a brand new month. Flip the calendar over this weekend for the month of December. And we're back. We're back and we are double barrel ready to go for college and NFL football yet again. Here we go with another edition of the nation's only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to those underdogs. It is Three Dog Thursday. I am your somewhat capable host, although a bad week for me last week on the underdog picks. First time all year I did not come through with one. Uh, It was painful on a couple of fronts uh, too to watch those games, including I thought I might get West Virginia against Oklahoma, but the Sooners were too good for them. Georgia Tech never had a shot, and the Atlanta Falcons were so bad last Thanksgiving Thursday night, so I'm your somewhat capable host he is senior handicapper and insider and writer for vegasinsider.com kevin rogers who was three for three a week ago washington huskies thank you denver broncos thank you and even the cover from the miami dolphins thank you congrats almighty one and welcome into another show
1: thank you and it should have been three outright underdog winners If the dolphins didn't blow that one uh, up 10 in the fourth so it's pretty good, you know. I, I did like Washington a lot against Washington State and that snow. I just thought that the Huskies, you know, they had owned the Cougars, and you know, Washington had a lot of close losses this year. And I thought they're a lot better than people. People kind of just forgot about them. So you know, that was that was a good one. And obviously, with the Broncos, you know, uh, you know that was a game where Denver's had some tough losses this year. They had a, they've had a tough schedule. You know, losing to the Chiefs twice, and also losing at home to the Rams in a close game. But uh, that was a a really good win over Pittsburgh. And the Steelers, they almost took that one last week, but the Steelers are also a few plays away from losing the last two weeks on the road as well. So... You know, it was a good one, and like anything else, so doesn't really matter. Got to move on to the next week.
0: Yeah, I got to go on to the next week and see what happens uh, with these underdogs. So, again, we've been very good in college, and we've got championship games coming up. Kevin's going to have some NFL thoughts and underdogs, and I will have an NFL underdog much later on in the show. want to tell you coming up here on Three Dog Thursday that we will get the opportunity to talk with a couple different guests. Matt Zimmick, an ac- excellent college football writer, love his insight. He's great to have conversations with. He's going to talk about the championship game mayhem that kevin 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 and I are about to talk about, so Matt will weigh in on that. Uh, here with us and what's going to happen with that Final Four and the New Year's Six Bowl games, etc. He's got some tremendous insight. So I look forward to talking with Matt. He writes for FloridaFootballInsiders.com He he writes as well on Patreon.com about college football. So we'll talk with him. Also uh, due to be with us, Kevin, Timmy B. Tim Brando will be here from Fox Sports. I've known Tim for going on 20 years. He's obviously got some very strong opinions about this whole playoff process. The greed and the money in college football. Uh, Matt has feelings as well but uh, tim's coming swinging with both fists he's swinging for the fences if you will mixed metaphor here on this so i'm excited uh to talk with him about this college football playoff scenario and all that's going to transpire so that's coming up later on in the show and again kevin will be back at the end of the show to pick nfl underdogs after we get all the college football conversation out of the way so kevin let's uh let's let's get into it here the 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 second-to-last rankings reveal out for the college football playoff. No surprise, Alabama one, Clemson two, Notre Dame three. We all believe that they control their own destiny, etc. The interesting thing is, what do you do at number four now with all of these championship games, with Georgia involved, with Ohio State with one loss involved, with Oklahoma with one loss involved, with an unbeaten UCF? We'll get into the games and the predictions in a little bit, but I wonder for you. Let me lay out a scenario. If Oklahoma wins early in the day, they have one loss. They're the Big 12 champ. Let's say that Georgia wins the SEC title game. It's not uh, inconceivable that they could win. They win and they have the one loss. And Ohio State in the night game, uh, in the Big Ten title game with Northwestern wins, and they have one loss. I'm not saying what will the committee do. What would Kevin Rogers do if you have all of that happen? Alabama now has a loss and didn't win the SEC. We assume that Clemson goes ahead and wins. We Notre Dame not playing. They're undefeated. One lost champ, Oklahoma. One lost champ, Georgia. One lost champ, Ohio State. What would Kevin Rogers do with a Final Four for the college football playoff, please?
1: You got to put Clemson and Notre Dame already in. I think those two already in, so now you have the final two spots. I think Alabama's locked in regardless of what happens. Unless they seriously lose like 65 to nothing to Georgia, I think Alabama's in regardless of what they do. They have the, the entire season, what they've done, and it's Alabama. They're not going to kick them out. Now you have the fourth team. I think it's going to be Georgia because Georgia beat Alabama. So that's what it should be. Unfortunately for Oklahoma, the, the defense stinks. And you know what? That's what people will put on them And Ohio State, losing to Purdue. And getting up 50 to Maryland is their way out. So right. that's the way. If you had all those teams win, I say Georgia gets in in the top three. I I'm not going guess it remains the same because obviously Clemson or Notre Dame would probably jump Alabama right. if that was the case. But right. I think Alabama still stays in.
0: You could make an argument while we're just right here that if Georgia beats Alabama— and they, have the, and they have the loss that they should be like no worse than two that they should maybe be in front of an unbeaten Notre Dame because the SEC is tougher and they will have beaten the number one team in the very end and won the SEC's title game and won uh, for a, a 12th time You, I mean you could make that argument Notre Dame fans not going to be happy with that but you could make that argument that Georgia shouldn't just be four that they should maybe be three or maybe even be two in front of Notre Dame uh, we'll see how that part uh, plays out alright for UCF and we're going to talk about that game specifically in a few moments during the predictions if they are undefeated do they have uh, in your mind any business being in that top four if they are undefeated depending on what else happens and there's several different variations of what could or couldn't happen if they're undefeated do they have a strong enough argument do you believe at this point the only way that happens
1: seriously is if Pittsburgh beats Clemson, if Northwestern beats Ohio State, and Texas beats Oklahoma, maybe. Like, that's the worst part. Maybe they have a case if those three very unlikely scenarios happen because and Alabama beats Georgia, because then I guess Georgia gets knocked out. Right. Because that, that's why they need Alabama to win that, so Georgia doesn't stake in. That's the only – I think Notre Dame's locked in and un, being undefeated. You can't kick them out. But you look at the rest, and I said Alabama I think should be in. So you have two spots. I mean, even Clemson loses a pit. I mean, isn't Clemson still a top-four team in the country? You know? So I understand that there are a lot of different combinations that can happen this weekend. But at the same time, unfortunately for UCF, they almost need to be the only undefeated team, and no one else in the country can be undefeated for them to get in the top four. That's, like, the only way.
0: Wow, and I did. That's not likely to happen because that would require both Alabama and Clemson to lose. And and I know what you mean. Notre Dame doesn't play. They would have to be the next playing team that would be undefeated uh, if that's the case from this weekend. Uh, let's see. All right. So we each are going to take two college underdogs. We're going to talk about the championship games, but you're actually going to begin with a hurricane makeup game in this instance that you like just as much as a championship game. So who is that team and why? For Saturday in college football and underdog number one, Kevin.
1: So last week, Virginia Tech beat Virginia in a back and forth game, a very entertaining game as a home underdog. Virginia Tech has beaten Virginia now, I think, 15 straight times. And that was a game that Virginia came back, took the lead. The Hokies went down, got some breaks in their final drive, tied the game, then won an overtime. And that was kind of like, you know, the game of the year since they had really struggled at home, they had been terrible. The Hokies host Marshall this week, and you say, okay, this game is just another game. Virginia Tech needs to win to get to a bowl to finish 6-6. Six and six. I think their bowl game was last week against Virginia. I think that was it. That was their season. Marshall's a pretty good team at Conference USA, and I think they want to finish on a high note. I think Virginia Tech spent everything in that Virginia. and that I think that the Hokies spent everything in that Virginia game. I really believe that. And I don't know how they get up for this game this week against Marshall. I'm taking the points with the Thunder and hurt.
0: And this is a Marshall team that went down to Miami and beat Florida International. We're going to get into why on I know all these different things. Marshall, uh, very impressive winning at Butch Davis's FIU team when FIU, all they had to do was win that game and they had a chance to be the East Division champs of Conference USA and host the title game. And Marshall beat them last week on their home field. So they come in riding high a little bit on that. And there are several of these makeup games, the Stanford Cal game being made up for this weekend because of the Northern California wildfires and the air quality being so bad a couple of weeks ago so they're making that game up there are a couple of other hurricane makeup games East Carolina and NC State are playing on this final weekend for that same reason because Hurricane Michael earlier in the year uh, wiped that game out so you do you do have two or three makeup games South Carolina playing Akron same thing South Carolina lost a game so they're doing this makeup game with Akron uh, as an extra date uh, for them and, and to fill their pockets a little more money and get a confidence builder so there are some makeup games that are outside of the conference championship games but now we will get into the two conference championship games and I'm going to go with the Memphis Tigers my alma mater uh, let's see I, I went with this in the regular season in early October for the matchup with UCF let's see in the rematch very hard to beat a team twice we're talking about this with Texas against Oklahoma in, in that matchup and, and in uh, in other matchups and in other examples in recent years years to play a team a second time and be able to beat them, whether it's in the regular season or in a bowl game or in a college football playoff game, it's not going to be easy to do. I like the Memphis Tigers going against UCF without the quarterback McKenzie Milton, the horrible right leg injury, possibly Kevin career-threatening injury for Milton, who ends up being the American Conference Offensive Player of the Year uh, for the second straight year. They're without him. They'll go with a redshirt freshman quarterback, Daryl Mack, who's played a little bit. Memphis, tremendous running back in Daryl Henderson, who lit up Houston last week. Tigers' revenge game. They have lost to UCF. Every time that they have played them in program history, they've never beaten them. So the argument can be they're due. They lost to them in dramatic double overtime fashion last year for UCF's perfect season. I will go Memphis Tigers, Mike Norvell and Memphis to upset UCF and in the perfect season. I was calling it earlier in the year and they lost by one. I'm calling it again here on three dog Thursday. So I will take the Tigers against the Knights. It would still it would be an amazing accomplishment if UCF can win this game without Milton and have the perfect season. I just don't think that they will uh, in this instance. So let's see how that one plays out for three dog Thursday. You're going to go with another championship game that I'm getting very familiar familiar with. I, I know where you're headed, so where are you going for championship game uh, number one for you and your second college underdog, sir?
1: I'm going to go with Conference USA, UAB, the Blazers against Middle Tennessee. They're a short underdog this week, UAB. Last week, they were favored against Middle Tennessee. They had 90 yards of offense. They got blown out 27-3. And I think that, and Middle Tennessee gets the, you know, the championship game with that win, but it's kind of one of those things where now you get to hit the reset button if, you, if you're UAB. That it's one thing if you lost a close game. And you say, oh, we were so close, and now we got to play them again. I think getting blown out could be the best thing for UAB just because now you say, okay, all right, we, we played terrible last week. We're still in the conference championship game, and now we're an underdog. We were a favorite last week. Now we're an underdog. And everyone saw how bad we were. All right, we just got to now we get to start 0-0 again. And I just think that UAB, with them being a very good underdog in-conference USA play since they've rejoined the conference and the program. Came back last year. I know they lost to Texas A&M two weeks ago, but, but come on, Texas A&M is a quality SEC team, so there's no shame in that loss. But I just think that UAB here, they, they get kind of a fresh start, and I think they beat Middle Tennessee
0: and win the conference. Wow, and it would be a shocker. Okay, full disclosure here. Free plug on Three Dog Thursday. I'm actually broadcasting this game, the Conference USA title game. It's the fourth year in a row that I'll be broadcasting the CUSA championship game from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I'm a native of, uh, of the state of Tennessee. Love me some, some Murfreesboro, right in the middle of the state near Nashville. That's where MTSU, the Blue Raiders, are based. They're jacked. This is their first chance to ever win a conference championship game, and they are hosting it. And as As you mentioned, it's a weird circumstance because the same two teams, how about this, Kevin? It's never happened before in the history of conference championship games in FBS football in Division I, where the same two teams are playing each other in the same site two weekends in a row to end the year for a championship game. It has happened two other times where the same two teams have played each other in the second straight week, but it's always been at the opposite venue. Uh, The the most recent case was last year, Fresno's State beat Boise State in the last regular season game at home, but Boise had the better record, hosted the championship game at home, they rematched the following week, Boise State won the game. Then the other examples, about four or five years ago, UCLA with Jim Mora won... Uh, their division, but they lost the regular season finale to Stanford at home in the final game of the season. They then played the conference championship game, a rematch at Stanford. Stanford was a higher-ranked team, the higher seed, so the same two teams played at Stanford, and Stanford won the game. So this is the first time ever that two teams have played in the same venue two weeks in a row, and this time the championship game is on the line. UAB the underdog, Kevin Rogers, will take them to shock Middle Tennessee State. Uh, Interesting that UAB may be a little healthier this week, too. Their top running back, Spencer Brown, who's been hurt, he is expected to try to play in this game Saturday. Uh, We'll see if he makes a difference. And again, uh, Middle Tennessee's got to be feeling good about themselves after an easy win. We'll find out there with your second underdog. All right, so there's your two underdogs. I will go to Saturday evening. I will stay away from Georgia and all those points against Alabama. I will go to Northwestern, though, and a lot of points against Ohio State. Yes, the Buckeyes won big over Michigan. They blew them out, scoring 62 points last week. Dwayne Haskins has become the most prolific passer in a single season in Big Ten history in terms of touchdowns and in yards. Incredible season. Now, the Big Ten not known for throwing the ball for a lot of years, but he's breaking Ohio State records and Big Ten records throwing the ball. I think there's a natural letdown a little bit here. Uh, 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 Coming off the win over your rival, Northwestern is good. They've won a lot of Coast games. They're not great, but they're good. Neutral field game. I think the Wildcats hang in getting the 14 points. I know Ohio State may have motivation to try to blow them out to impress the selection committee if they get the opportunity, but I don't think they're going to. I think Northwestern's defense is good. You mentioned that the Buckeyes struggled with Maryland two weeks ago at Maryland and gave up 50 points. They struggled at home with Northwestern. uh, I'm sorry, with uh, Nebraska, excuse me, earlier this year. I think there may be a little come down after the Michigan win. I'll take Northwestern to hang in. I think Ohio State may still win this game, but it's close. And I'll take the 14 points on Three Dog Thursday. So uh, very interesting. I know we're going to talk with Matt Zimmick coming up here in a few moments that in 2014, remember, Ohio State had something to prove in the championship game with Wisconsin, and they won 59 to nothing. And it got them in the college football playoff, and they eventually beat Alabama and then beat Oregon and won the whole thing. Kevin, I'd be shocked if this is a blowout Saturday night. Ohio, do you agree with me? I don't think Ohio State's blowing out Northwestern, no matter what happens, or maybe you disagree with me.
1: I I don't know. I'm not going to say yes or no uh, on either one. I mean, you know, you talk about surprises. Yeah. Beating Clemson would be a surprise. You know, that like that's something that of all the games and obviously the point spread tells you that a four touchdown favorite. But with everything else, would Texas beat Oklahoma be a surprise? No. Would Georgia beating Alabama surprise? No, because they almost beat them last year. The same thing here. I mean, if Ohio State blows out Northwestern, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, Ohio State has the capabilities of putting up 40 or 50 points to anybody who saw what happened last week. Yep. So, no, that wouldn't surprise me.
0: All right. Well, and we'll see if they have motivation to do it again. If, if Oklahoma has won... And Georgia has won, under our hypothetical. Ohio State has all the motivation in the world to try to win by 100, if they can do it, uh, Saturday night in Indianapolis. Let's see how that plays out. Okay, we each have two underdogs. Kevin is going to be back with me coming up uh, to talk NFL uh, later on in the show and make a couple of underdog predictions again. Kevin was 3-for-3 last week, 2-for-2 in the NFL, and he has picked at least one NFL underdog winner in seven of the last eight weeks. I don't know if you knew that, Kevin, right? Rogers, but in, I got the list right here. In seven of the last eight weeks, Kevin Rogers has at least one NFL underdog successfully. At had two of them last week. So I look forward to talking NFL underdogs with you in a little bit. Again, our special guests are coming up. It is Three Dog Thursday. We will continue. Stay with us. Be a big big Saturday of college football championship Saturday. a lot riding on it. How many spots are truly up for grabs on that college football playoff final four? How many new year six bowl game spots are truly up for grabs. That's maybe a larger and a bigger argument. To help me decipher through some of this, I love this man's insight when it comes to college football. You can read him at uh, patreon.com on his page there, but also on floridafootballinsiders.com. He has got some very interesting takes and items up on that site all the time, and it obviously ties into Championship Saturday with UCF going for back-to-back perfect seasons and another American Conference Championship game win if they can get it. Here is Matt. Matt Zemick, who is with me again on Three Dog Thursday. Howdy. Happy final Saturday of college football mayhem for a little while.
2: Yes, happy conference championship weekend with those scintillating Pitt-Clemson and Northwestern-Ohio <laughs> State matchup.
0: Now, come on. Maybe Pitt-Clemson does nothing for you, but you honestly believe that Northwestern has no chance to mess it up for Ohio State for Three Dog Thursday purposes or otherwise? Are you rubber stamping an Ohio State win and therefore a boring game? What, what do you mean by that? Come on.
2: Well, in terms of in terms of who wins, I'm rubber stamping. But in terms of how close the score is, which will have playoff relevance, That is the real question of the moment.
0: Yeah, no doubt. All right, so before you've come on, I've already taken a couple of upsets. One of those, my Memphis Tigers, go Tigers, go the alma mater to defeat UCF outright in the championship game and derail that uh, that perfect season. So you should know that coming on here now after I've made that prediction. Uh, So we'll get into the UCF game in a couple of moments. But I just, I pose to you, all right, if if Oklahoma wins early in the day against Texas like most believe that they will, Big 12 title game, if later in the day, Georgia, Georgia somehow pulls this upset with Alabama, which is not beyond the realm, they're talented, they're good, it's a big spread for Three Dog Thursday purposes, but they could win, home away from home game in Atlanta, we'll see. And then if Ohio State rubber stamps it, like I was just referring to, and defeats Ohio State, all those teams have one loss, so Matt Zimmick, what would you do, not what will the committee do but what would you do with the final four if it plays out oklahoma georgia ohio state all win have one loss and will have won the conference championship game
2: yeah i am very clear on this i've been clear on this from the start that if we're going to bother to have conferences in college football and if we're going to have the system we have right now with uh you know the power five conferences and four of them, you know, ostensibly getting in, except when you have, uh, you know, a situation with Notre Dame getting in as we have this year. But if you have this conference set up and only one of the power five conferences is meant to be excluded every year, then the conference championship is supposed to be the most important thing. Now, if you ever had a situation in which uh, you had multiple power five conference champions with three losses, you know, which you could have, if uh, Northwestern or Pitt somehow, you know, spring an upset, and you know the Pac-12 champion is going to have three losses, Utah and Washington are both nine and three heading into Friday night. You know, if you have three lost conference champions, we can revisit this. But if we're talking about one lost conference champions, that should be the decisive factor. So, in terms of what I would do, I would have Alabama out, and I would have Georgia, Ohio State. Uh, and, and I would have Georgia in and I would have Oklahoma uh, above Ohio State uh, so you know conference championships among zero lost teams one lost teams, and, and even two lost teams they should matter I would have had Penn State over Ohio State in 2016 for instance you know the uh, head-to-head win and winning the conference championship those kinds of things are supposed to matter in a season in which you have only 12 games and in which uh, the conference season represents nine of those 12 games. If we're not going to honor those games, why do we have the structure that we have? If conference championships aren't going to matter and last year Alabama didn't even win its darn division, So if we're not, (laughs) if we're not going to honor that, if we're not going to honor that, let's just have everybody play everybody, you know, let's have Alabama play Penn state in week three and then play USC in week six. Let's just have national teams play each other. Instead of bothering to have conferences, because then it's just a waste of everybody's
0: time. Okay, so just to recap, if again, under my scenario, which Oklahoma is favored, Georgia is not, but Georgia could win, and Ohio State is favored. If they all win, they would all be the one-loss conference champion, and you would have Clemson one, you would have Notre Dame two, you would have Georgia, what, three, and then Oklahoma four in front of Ohio State, and the Matt Zimmick wave the magic wand, there's your college football playoff. Did I get that close to correct?
2: You got it correct.
0: Now that's not realistic. What they're—I mean, you and I both agree. Alabama, win or lose, is going to be in this thing. Just to your point of what you said from last year, they didn't even play in the championship game, and they still got put in. I don't care if Georgia beats them by two touchdowns; they're going to put Alabama in as number four if they lose in this game. I, I believe that. You, do you agree with that?
2: I totally believe it. You know, we we know that the committee serves Alabama's wishes and does Alabama's bidding. I mean, it, it has never not been the case. You know, we have to remember that last year Alabama wound up as the four seed and it happened to have a crowd advantage playing in New Orleans in the Sugar Bowl. Now I know that you know the Rose Bowl, uh, you, you know, wasn't going to have probably wasn't going to have Clemson Alabama over in Pasadena, but nevertheless, it just worked out perfectly for Alabama uh, in 2015, let's also tackle that one. Alabama was seated second, and most people felt that Alabama should have been seated fourth, but there was a sense of, let's not have uh, Clemson and Alabama play in the semifinal, so Alabama got re-slotted to the Cotton Bowl against Michigan State, which was, you know, the ideal draw for Alabama. Alabama won that game 38-0, uh, but really Alabama should have played Clemson in the one four semifinal in 2015, if we were going strictly on merits, but the committee wanted Clemson and Alabama to play in the title game. So it put them in opposite halves of the bracket. So Alabama gets what it wants. That, it's, a, it's the cynical interpretation, but I don't think it's the incorrect interpretation. So yes, unless Alabama gets absolutely blasted, which no one thinks is going to happen, uh, it's going to get in. And if that means two SEC teams, in the playoff for the second year in a row. That's that's how the committee's going to roll. All
0: right, let's have a fun on the flip side as I talk with Matt Zimick here as part of 3 Dog Thursday. Let's say we get underdog mayhem, which on 3 Dog Thursday, I our- we love the underdogs and the mayhem. Let's see. We get a, Let's say we get a Texas repeat win over Oklahoma, an outright win to knock them off and give them a second loss. Let's see. Uh, forget about Georgia for this argument. Let's say that Alabama wins. Let's say Northwestern also wins against uh, Ohio State Saturday night, Lucas Oil Stadium, Indianapolis, Big Ten title game. Now you have two lost Georgia that didn't win the conference, like you were talking about these things matter. Two loss, Oklahoma didn't win the conference championship game. A uh, Two loss, Ohio State conference championship game. Two loss, Michigan sitting there. Uh, the, the Pac-12 champion, as you mentioned, is going to have three losses. What, what do you do if UCF were to win? I don't think they will. What do I know? Maybe UCF rolls in this game. If UCF wins under that scenario where everybody besides Alabama and Clemson and Notre Dame has two losses. Can UCF somehow, in that Armageddon scenario, slide in at number four? What I mean, will the committee do it? I guess is what I'm asking you. Yeah.
2: So if we're thinking about what the committee would do, not what Matt Zemek would do, you know, I would have UCF in. But in terms of projecting what the committee would do, as I think I've already, you know, I've already given up the ghost here. I've already acknowledged that I, I am a raging cynic on these kinds of matters. So I I see UCF having no chance. I think UCF being 8th behind number 7 Michigan really gave away the game there in terms of what the committee is thinking and what the committee intends to do if all hell breaks loose.
0: But I will say this, if I can interject, if I can interject, if they win the conference championship game, Michigan's not playing this weekend. They, they can easily hop Michigan. I just wonder if, if part of the rationale wouldn't be that, hey, somebody else deserves to be there instead of them, leave Georgia there. I, I don't know. I don't know. what would, I, can't, I can't fathom that Michigan not playing in the Big Ten championship game that lost the two most significant games on their schedule didn't win. I, I can't fathom that they would slide up to four in that scenario not playing this weekend. That's just me, though. That, without having yeah, played. Well, you
2: know, but yeah, well Michigan Michigan would not be the team which gets the four seed if if all the underdogs win and and UCF wins. It would probably be Oklahoma if only because Ohio State losing to Northwestern would be a massive upset and you just you could not include Ohio State in the playoff if it lost to Northwestern. So Oklahoma by, for lack of a better alternative would be the committee's choice. Here here's the the point to emphasize TJ is that Last year, uh, the the selection of Alabama over Ohio State for that number four spot, to me, you will never convince me otherwise, that selection of Alabama was based on the fact that a year prior, in the 2016 semifinals, Clemson annihilated Ohio State, 31-0, whereas Alabama and Clemson played a classic national championship game. And I think that the committee, which, you know, is this is a partnership with ESPN, we can try and convince ourselves that this is a football evaluation and, and all of those other formulas and those, you know, phrasing such as body clocks and game control and all that other garbage, which really doesn't mean anything. It's a TV decision. <laughs> this is a TV product. Sure. They're trying to put the best TV show on the field in these semifinals and that's why alabama got selected over ohio state even though ohio state was a conference champion and alabama didn't even win the sec west and so if you apply that principle it's that this is to serve television the fact this is this is unfortunate but it's real the fact that mckenzie milton won't be able to play in the bowl game i think that's why ucf is sitting at number eight i think that if milton was healthy and in the mix in the picture here. You probably would see UCF at seven with that outside puncher's chance, but without Milton, I think that the, the committee knows that it will not have a good TV product. You will you will have fans mentally writing off that game uh, and not bothering to watch it, and ESPN can't have that. So through that raging cynical interpretation, that's why I think UCF under these circumstances has zero chance. I think with Milton, it would have had like a 10 to 15% chance. I still wouldn't have considered it very likely, but I could have envisioned a scenario. But under this circumstance, I think it's
0: zero voice of Matt Zimick Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Matt Zimmick Z-E-M-E-K. He also writes with FloridaFootballInsiders.com. So I'm going to bring up a couple more topics involving uh, the UCF subject matter and the Florida Gators who are lurking, hanging back there as part of the New Year Six Bowls, because Matt has written about that. Um, but you you piqued me on that whole topic. Of, of Milton not being there. And look, there's precedence here. There's precedence in the NCAA tournament having done this with the selection committee, the basketball selection committee. They looked at a Cincinnati team that was arguably the number 1 overall seed heading into the 2000 basketball tournament. Kenyon Martin breaks his leg in the Conference USA basketball tournament. I remember because I was there. My, my, my lame Cosell impersonation. I was there in Memphis when that happened in March of 2000 in the committee. Uh, moved them down. I think they moved them down to a two-seed. Matt, you may correct me that they moved them down to either a two- or a three-seed. And that, That's and, it and it's a because yeah. he was not there anymore. Uh, the same thing happened recently in the last four or five years with Purdue. It was a February injury to Robbie Hummel, their best player. They were arguably the best team in the Big Ten, arguably a one-seed. And I want to say Purdue ended up being like a four- or a five-seed, something like that, where that selection committee, human being subjective process moved them down and then you come to a very interesting comparison and that is the ohio state 2014 team that in that instance lost braxton miller as the quarterback in, in that game with michigan in the regular season finale then went to cardell jones oh, that with-
2: was that was that was J T Barrett. J T Bra- Barrett. Braxton Miller got injured in September.
0: Right. So Braxton Miller earlier in the year. J T Barrett in the Michigan game. So they went to the third quarterback in Cardell Jones. But the difference for the committee is they had a Big Ten championship game to watch Jones and his teammates destroy Wisconsin. What was it, fifty nine to nothing, or whatever it was. And that only reinforced, I think, to them, Ohio State is this good. We're going to put them in. And then, and then they were validated because Cardell Jones played well and Ohio State upset Alabama and then went on to beat Oregon and win the whole thing. My point for UCF is they don't have a magnitude matchup with Memphis here. I don't think Mac, the quarterback, is going to put up humongous numbers. It's not the same comparison. And there are valid comparisons about moving a team down without the star player. Matt, so I'm I'm long-winded. I'll let you pick up back up on that.
2: Well, you're absolutely right. And the other thing is that UCF Memphis is going head-to-head with the SEC championship game in terms of television windows. Those are the two games that are going to be going on at the same time in the mid-afternoon TV window. So the SEC championship is going to get the eyeballs, it's going to get the publicity, so that's going to reduce the focus on UCF. So the idea that UCF can make a splash by beating Memphis by, you know, 20 points, which really would be an impressive feat, strictly on the football merits given that Milton's absence, it, it would not move the needle nationally in a conversation uh, to, to meaningfully shift the debate, you know, we, it's it, one interesting point, TJ. As I continue this theme about uh, the the playoff, emphasizing the attractiveness on television, is that in that 2014 debate, TCU was number three in the penultimate poll. The poll basically released this week before the conference championship games, before the final weekend of the regular season. And of course, in 2014, the Big 12 did not have a championship game. TCU in its final regular season game beat Iowa State. And Iowa State was horrible that year. But nevertheless, TCU won that game 55 to three. And yet TCU fell not just out of the third spot, not just out of the top four and the playoffs. It fell down to sixth. It fell from three to sixth after after winning a game by 52 points. And it was because of that Big 12, quote-unquote, one true champion controversy in which the league was trying to market both TCU and Baylor as playoff candidates instead of just sticking to, you know, we have a conference championship, Baylor beat TCU head-to-head, Baylor is our team because the big 12 wanted to have it both ways. The committee made a political decision to kind of split, split the difference and say, okay, Ohio state won a conference championship. So Ohio state, you know, is a clear choice. That was the football argument to make on the surface, but underneath it was Ohio state versus Alabama is a much better (laughs) TV product for us than TCU Alabama. And so you you that has been a consistent theme of these playoff selection processes through the years and it's whatever suits the committee's interest because Ohio State winning the conference title in 2014 that didn't mean anything in 2017 when Alabama again didn't even win its division was taken over the buckeyes so it really is all about the quality of the TV product That is what moves this decision-making process.
0: It's a subjective vote. It's not a computer. It's a subjective vote. I got three or four minutes left. I want to cover them thusly. All right, New Year Six. You wrote about the Florida Gators on Florida Football Insiders uh, and, and whether or not they're deserving, and it looks like they are, uh, uh, at least resume-wise, of being a New Year Six team. Uh, let's let's filter it out here. Let, let's say at large, if you have a Georgia who beat Florida head-to-head, they're probably going to be a New Year's Six team in slot somewhere, you would think. You would think Michigan, the way they draw, the way they travel. Again, this is the bowl game reality that you were just referring to. It means something. That you you have a brand and your fans travel that'll help Michigan. It might help. It might help Florida. It might help Georgia. Uh, it could potentially help uh, another. Let's say Ohio State loses the Big Ten title game and that's their second loss. It will help them if they draw. They might get in the New Year Six. Give me give me like uh, one through four. Who are the at large New Year Six teams that you you think are the most deserving? Florida. Who else? Who else is in that mix? Real quick.
2: Well, deserving. I mean, you know, Michigan and whoever um, between Ohio State and Oklahoma doesn't get into the playoff, uh, LSU as well because LSU crushed Georgia. You know, th- those are teams that are clearly deserving. A-, a few points to clarify about this process for the people who are listening. You know, so if Ohio State, whoever doesn't get in between Ohio State or Oklahoma, that's going to have a domino effect on how the New Year Six matchups turn out. You know, so if Oklahoma – gets into the playoff. The big 12 has a contract where at such that Texas, even if it loses to Oklahoma with four losses is going to be in the sugar bowl. And if Georgia doesn't make the playoff, Georgia would go to the Sugar Bowl under the SEC side of that SEC Big 12 contract. The Sugar Bowl has that contractual uh, relationship with those games. If Ohio State does not get into the playoff, Ohio State will go to the Rose Bowl against the Pac-12 champion, and that would probably mean that Michigan would go to the Peach Bowl uh, in terms of the dominoes in the process. So those are a few things to watch, uh, you know, it, so the, the real mystery is if Oklahoma wins uh, and does not get into the playoff, that would be the a particularly complicated scenario in terms of uh, the New Year's Six and how the Bulls line up in a certain way because that would lock out Texas and it would send Oklahoma to the Sugar, uh, That so that would leave a, a spot in the Peach Bowl, possibly the Fiesta Bowl still open and uh that that's where uh Florida's probably going to land in the Peach Bowl but where the op- what the opponent is That would still be unclear.
0: And obviously under my scenario, if UCF were to be beaten and were to drop far enough, they may leave the non-Power 5 schools completely out of those New Year's Six Bowl games. Let's see uh, how that part plays out. That's a whole other part of the Armageddon, but the Gators are a brand name. Michigan, a brand name. You mentioned Oklahoma if they lose to Texas. uh, That's a brand name. Ohio State, obviously, if they lose to uh, Northwestern, they're going to end up going to the Rose Bowl like you mentioned. So let's see how the New New Year six plays out. Okay, fun one for you out of the out of the underdogs. I've already taken Memphis. I may mention that Georgia might be able to do this. Would it be Texas against Oklahoma? Would it be Northwestern against Ohio State? Give me an underdog that you really like to cover, if not win the game on Championship Saturday. Do you have one that jumps off the page at you, Matt Zimick?
2: Absolutely, it's Texas. I don't. I think Oklahoma finds a way to win the game, but I think that Texas can definitely cover. the the touchdown spread. And and that's simply because Oklahoma's defense remains a sieve. Nothing much has meaningfully changed on that side of the ball relative to the last time these teams played. So Texas can certainly hang up a big number. I do have to acknowledge that Sam Ellinger, Texas's quarterback, uh, has not felt particularly healthy in recent weeks. That's another reason to think that Oklahoma is going to win outright. But Oklahoma's defense, it's not as though OU is strong against the run, and Texas can run the ball and control the ball and still keep that game very close.
0: All right, we'll find out what the Horns can do. We'll find out what all the mayhem is. I'll give you the platform again here, plug away, where we can read your stuff. I always love getting a chance to chat with you, but where can we read more of what you have, Matt Zimick?
2: Well, first of all, I write at floridafootballinsiders.com, and we're uh, cranking out a lot of pieces I, uh, as you mentioned earlier in this uh, conversation, I've written about Florida being a New Year's Six team, and this is, this is not conjecture. Florida will be in a New Year's Six bowl. That's not guesswork. That's pretty much fact at this point. Uh, and also talking about, I've also written about earlier this week, uh, the test awaiting UCF against Memphis. You know, we, we talk about the playoff, and I know that people want to get in the playoff, and we put so much emotional centrality on that. But if UCF can win this game against Memphis without Milton and complete a second consecutive perfect regular season, that is an enormous accomplishment and a huge point of pride. And UCF fans, if the if the Knights get that goal, if they accomplish it, uh, they should just take great satisfaction in that and not allow playoff outrage to cloud their outlook. So com. I also write at Patreon.com. Uh, And I also am going to be contributing to College Basketball Today, CBBToday.com, which is uh, edited by Joseph Nardone, who is excellent. Uh, Those those are some of the sites where I put out work and uh, uh, trying to do the best I can to continue to write about and edit College Sports even though I, uh, I am looking for another major media company to, to link up to.
0: Well listen, you do a great job with all the stuff that you do so we encourage the fans to go find you at those places. FFI, Florida Football Insiders got great stuff on the Florida teams. Again, it's a massive deal if UCF wins this game and is on the cusp maybe at some point Saturday afternoon or Saturday night at the College Football playoffs. so keep it locked in there. Again, the Patreon page uh, they can go to there with your name, correct? with Matt Zemmick and read your college football thoughts that you have on there as well, correct?
2: Patreon.com slash Zemmick for college football and Patreon.com slash Matt Zemmick for tennis, which I also cover at... Uh, TennisAccent.com an- another website where I put out a lot of content during the year. I
0: love this guy for his versatility and all of his stuff. Listen, it's a treat. I'm going to get you on again when we get around playoff bowl games and college football playoff time. Let's see how it all sorts out. I mean, we think we have this all figured out. Again, there's 13 committee members subjectively in a room when it all shakes out. Let's see what ends up happening with the vote with the Final Four and the games. It will not be dull. Matt Zimick, thank you for Spending a few minutes on Three Dog Thursday with
3: me. TJ, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for having
0: me. 3Dog Thursday brought to you in part by SmackApparel.com for great in your face college theme and NFL theme tees. Go to SmackApparel.com and take 10% off with the promo code 3DOG for 3Dog Thursday. It's SmackApparel.com and the promo code 3Dog. dogs are
1: barking who will get it done this week three dog thursday now continues
0: here again is t.j Reed. Oh, been looking forward to this here on Three Dog Thursday. It's championship Saturday. We are back in and here he is from Fox Sports. I love this man. I love the fact that he still returns my phone call, my text message. Hope he had a great Thanksgiving. I know he did because I saw some pictures with the grandkids and all the sporting events he did. Here's Tim Brando back with me on Three Dog Thursday. Timmy B, hello. DJ, how are you? Happy holiday. The same to you, and uh, okay, this needs no other buildup. We've been talking for a little while before you've come on about Championship Saturday. I guess the first question to you, what are you most intrigued by out of the buffet of all the games and why? What do you think?
4: Uh, just how, uh, how will the committee try to make me believe that what I'm actually watching is relevant when I know it's really not?
0: <laughs> I understand. And How about that, we'll anybody that has I'm followed so, you so and so. listened to you and watched you all along this season, you've you've touted that absolutely that you think this is almost predestined as to the they're just going to cater to the halves here in this case.
4: Right, right. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't think um, I don't think uh, if if Georgia beats Alabama, uh, it doesn't matter at all uh, what happens in the SEC championship because both those teams are going to get in regardless. Um, Alabama can lose and they're still in. No ifs, no ands, no buts about it. So don't tell me that this game is for a, a burst in the in the college football playoff because it's. I mean, if Georgia loses, then you know by all rights they should be out. But they're not completely out. Uh, not if not if Oklahoma were to lose. Not if Ohio State were to lose. Who else are you gonna put in there? So you know, even a Georgia loss. Uh, and with some help, they could still get in. Um, The reality, uh, TJ, is this is a, not only is it a bad system, it is a corrupt system. Uh, College football deserves so much better than it's getting. Uh, And I was, when they first went to four teams and decided to go away from the Godforsaken DCS, I was elated. I thought, well, this will allow for greater inclusion Uh, and it's actually brought on greater exclusion. Uh, Boise State had a better chance during the BCS era than they do now. UCF clearly has a better chance in the old BCS system than they do now. Uh, This thing is built solely for the halves, uh, and there's no denying that the SEC, and granted to some extent they've earned it because they've got eight teams in the top 25, four in the top 10. Uh, It's the best league, but... (laughs) They, they can do whatever they want from a scheduling standpoint, and nobody's going to call it into question. I mean, Alabama's non-conference schedule was pathetic. It was beneath contempt. The idea that they can get away with that and smile all the way to the bank with the understanding that they could lose the SEC title again and still get in is beneath. I mean, it's just beyond comprehension. Uh, but it's true. So the system's corrupt. Um, you, you can't uh, start the season as a Division One college football player uh, at any uh, in, at any level other than uh, a Power Five school, and believe that you've got a chance to compete for the for the greatest prize that there is in the sport. Only sport where you'd say that at the Division One level of intercollegiate athletics. Um, it's just horrible, and we got to have some change, and we got to have some change fast. And the only way I know to do that. Is the same as have a, a, another reenactment of something similar to what happened in 2011, that finally ended the BCS. And of course, they didn't want to admit that that game was the reason, but it was the fact that Alabama played LSU in a rematch, and it was a bad game, uh, and there were a lot of people upset about it. That's why they changed it. I mean, there was a complete out, uh, about face done in the aftermath of that game. People like Bill Hancock, who are traveling secretaries for this corruptive process who would tell you that we could never even use the term playoff, now I have an office that's actually called playoff. <laughs> so so don't, don't get me started on that. No doubt. Um, but, I mean, the bottom line is we need uh, massive chaos, and, and I'm actually rooting for Georgia to beat Alabama, uh, because if they do, then it will only be, it will be a self-fulfilling prophecy for me, because Alabama's going to get in, and Georgia will too. And that means with Clemson in, we got three of the same teams that we had a year ago. This is a Sun Belt regional title only. It's not a national championship. Uh, teams west of the Mississippi, forget about it. Teams uh, on, the, on the far east coast, forget about it. We're not growing the sport. I'm from the south. I know college football is being played at the highest level in the south. And I'm proud of that. But, I mean, we're closing off the rest of the country. The ratings aren't what they were supposed to be. Ratings across the board for the regular season in college football are down. Not majorly down, but down. And uh, the, the the playoff by now should be getting Super Bowl-type numbers. And it's not. It's nowhere close. Uh, you know, uh, a, an AFC or NFC first-round playoff game gets an 18, 19, 20 rating. You know, our games get a 12, a 13, a 14. It's not close. So the investment being made uh, by ESPN and and uh, it's it's a hefty one uh, is not being um, you know is not being fully realized and they among uh, they will be the ones ultimately that changes things I think uh, they're going to have to say look we're not getting what we're paying for here and hopefully uh, they'll get a, a, a bad product at the end because no matter whether Georgia plays Alabama or Clemson plays Alabama again it's not going to get the kind of rating that it would if we had eight teams involved. We had all of the geography of the country uh, pumped up about college football in its postseason. We've totally diluted the rest of the the bowl season. Nobody cares about any of those games anymore. So in and of itself, uh, not only is it corrupt, but it's also brought college football's bowl uh, season down to its knees. So we need change, and we need it fast. So uh, Oklahoma and Ohio State – Don't knock yourselves out, win your games, and be left out because Georgia beat Bama, and they're both going to go in anyway.
0: That's chaos. There's, there's Tim Brando's uh, take on this. So I've been posing the hypothetical already that if Georgia won and Oklahoma won and Ohio State won, what would you do? And you just said to me that, uh, that in this instance you believe the committee would still leave in Alabama. Let's say you're the czar that you've yeah. been touting on social media, Tim Brando, and that it's your decision to make if Georgia wins that game, Oklahoma beats Texas, Ohio State beats Northwestern. What would the Tim Brando 4B with the understanding Alabama would have a loss. Clemson hypothetically would win over Pitt and be undefeated. Notre Dame not playing undefeated. You would have to have Georgia in there, wouldn't you? You'd have Clemson and Notre Dame in there undefeated. Would you still, would Tim Brando still have Alabama? Or would you allow Oklahoma, who you've seen play this year, Ohio State, who's uh, been in the Big Ten and wins the Big Ten, would you have them in? What would you do?
4: For the good of the game, because we need to have a lot of angry people, I I think... um, uh, the angriest people on the planet uh, would be Alabamans, right? If they were left out, wouldn't Alabama be the most pissed off <laughs> right, in the days? Right? Isn't that the most vile group of the, in the Twitter sphere? Wouldn't it be Alabama? Oh yeah. I mean, I'd leave Alabama out in the perfect world. I would leave Alabama out because I know that uh, it, it wouldn't just be calls to the um, uh, uh, to the red bat phone in Birmingham. It would be outright. Uh, anarchy across the entire Sun Belt, <laughs> if they were left out, um, you know the, that's the thing. I think the voice of the Big Ten, uh, Jim Delaney, is the strongest voice uh, in college football today. Uh, he is where I think Mike Slide was before he stepped aside and uh, his passing. We could argue who has uh, the 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 other most influence, possibly Greg Sankey, because his league has the most dominance with the the, the best teams and the greatest depth of teams in, in college football. But, you know, John Swafford uh, at, at, at the helm of the ACC's been there for a long, long time, too. And uh, I can make a good case for him as well. But these guys just have to come to grips with the idea that this is just a flawed system at every turn. Um, you know, Oklahoma, we've seen Georgia play Alabama already, haven't we? Um, so what would be in the best interest of the game would be for, in my opinion, if all three of those teams want out for Oklahoma to get in, But you're asking me, what would I do? Yep. Well, I want change because, and because I want change, uh, I I think I'm going to put Oklahoma in just to piss off Alabama because (laughs) the only way we're going to get change is if the SEC's pissed off, right? We're not going. Obviously, leaving Ohio State out last year didn't evoke change, and I don't think uh, leaving Ohio State out this year, given the league, the season they had, would would be that uh, would would be that bad. And and Oklahoma. frankly is a team that um you know i i think deserves to be in but are they better than alabama no they're really not better than alabama alabama's gonna get in i'm here to tell you they're gonna get in yep so the combination of oklahoma and ohio state being left out winning their conferences plus the pet 12 is out so that's three of the p5s out and Notre Dame doesn't even have to play a championship game, get a 13th data point. Everybody else does seemingly, but they don't. Why? Because they're Notre Dame. The pure playoff privilege era uh, continues. And now you've got three leagues uh, not getting a, a sniff of that extra cash of having two teams in the playoff. And that's wrong. That's just fundamentally wrong at every turn. And the system is corrupt. So it's got to be changed, and that's the best way of going about it. Now, uh, you you asked me the question, and I sarcastically said I'd leave Alabama out just because I know they'd be the ones most pissed off, and we wouldn't hear the end of it. But I still think you're going to have a lot of kicking and screaming and uh, gnashing of teeth with both Oklahoma and Ohio State as winners of their leagues not getting a chance to get in, and that's going to happen if Georgia beats Alabama.
0: Well, we'll see how that part plays out. I got about three or four minutes left here. I, I'm big on if you play a team the second time, it's big trouble. I, I don't really think Texas has much of a shot with Oklahoma. Give me a quick answer. Do they? You've seen these teams? No, you have covered I, the league. They don't, do they?
4: Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think so. Oklahoma's uh, way too, um, way too versatile, and they they dug themselves quite a hole. If you recall, they just came from way behind to get back in that game before losing it to Texas. Um, Ellinger is not a hundred percent. Their receivers have been banged up and their offensive line has been a mash unit. They've had like five or six different combinations in their offensive front. Now, Oklahoma's defense, even with all those injuries is not terribly imposing. They've had issues even getting lined up. So it's not as if Texas can't score, but I just think Kyler Murray's the best overall player in the country. And I think that a second opportunity will certainly favor OU. And I see them winning the game, um, uh, you know, by, 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 by a couple of touchdowns, maybe more, um, but it'll be a high-scoring game. Texas will certainly make it competitive. Uh, they'll be in it. Um, the, the interesting thing to me is that uh, you're talking about brand names here, and, and, I, and that should matter to the committee because the committee is all about brand names. Ohio State beating Northwestern, even if they beat them like they beat Wisconsin in 2014 when they snuck in and TCU fell three spots, in the final week from 3 to 6, so they can allow Ohio State as a brand name to get in. They ultimately went on to win the national title. I don't think beating uh, uh, Northwestern 59 to nothing can salvage anything for what has been an extremely fortunate season for Urban Meyer to get that team even to the Big Ten title, Uh, given the carnage that um, was left after his defense was shredded most of the season by a lot of its competition, including Maryland the week before the
1: Michigan game.
4: So, you know, to me, Oklahoma uh, is by far and away the winner between those two programs as the one that would slide into the fourth spot if Georgia were to lose to Alabama.
0: All right, before I let you go, uh, we're near and dear on the SEC. If, I'll pose it this way, if Georgia is going to win the game, we know Alabama uh, has been practically invincible offensively. You just cannot stop them over the course of four quarters before uh, Tua and even the balance with the running game overtakes you and scores a bunch of points. So if Georgia is going to win the game, what are the one or two ingredients you're looking for for the possible upset?
4: Well, a prom has gotta play well. They gotta be willing to make uh commitments to putting pressure on the Alabama secondary early and often. Um, freewheeling offensive approach from Georgia is absolutely essential. And they can't make they can't make key mistakes. Georgia cannot turn the ball over. They can't do what so many other teams have done against Alabama and allow the Alabama defense. It's really come along of late, you know. First half of the season, Alabama's defense was uh, a bit vulnerable. But by the time they got into November and played LSU, their defense had become their strength. So, Georgia's got to be freewheeling. They've got to have a quarterback that's hot. They need from to be hot. He's got to play uh, an almost flawless game. And then, in addition to that, their defense be willing to take some chances and make some big plays. Get some negative plays and maybe a turnover or two. You're not going to beat Alabama without Alabama helping you some. And the only way you can do that is by being aggressive. I happen to think Georgia's got that capability. Um, you know, other than LSU, Georgia is a team that I think matches up physically uh, with Alabama with, with with depth, you know, too deep, saying, you know what, we're as good as you. We're as good as – or at least believes they're as good as Alabama. That's half the battle against the Crimson Tides. So many teams in the SEC um, really do fear. There's a fear factor now with Alabama. There's an intimidation factor with them. Uh, I I see players, uh, especially quarterbacks, tucking the ball and giving up on a play much sooner against Alabama than they do other teams. So, you know, it's a little bit like Tiger Woods in his prime in a golf tournament (laughs) on, on, on a major that, that's what you're seeing with Alabama right now, especially against SEC
0: competition. Yep, I was thinking Mike Tyson in the 80s, too, where it was over when Somewhere he walked, there, yeah. when he walked right. to the ring, Timmy. It was over. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was over kind of the same way as the pregame introduction with Alabama. Well, it will be wild. Let's see how interesting it is. Let's see if there are early upsets that set into motion uh, the evening and what would happen with Ohio State, for example, what happens in the Clemson-Pitt game if it's close. Uh, remember Pittsburgh stunned them, different programs, different, you know, different players, but Pitt stunned them a couple of years ago at Clemson. Who knows? We'll find out this weekend. I always love talking with you, watching you on Fox sports, uh, and getting the chance to catch up with you here on three dog Thursday is a treat. Enjoy all the games. I want to talk hoops with you when we get in the grind of the hoop season coming up for big East and all the hoops that you do as well on Fox sports. Thank you, Timmy B.
4: Thank you, TJ. I'm celebrating championship Saturday with Louisville, and Seton Hall at noon on Fox, and then hanging uh, and I'll have that one. Then I go over to East Lansing for Michigan and Iowa on Monday night. So uh, I've already got my basketball shoes on. I'm going to do a few more NFL games too, as I did a year ago uh, in December. So uh, you might see me down the road uh, at an NFL stadium near you too.
0: Back in once more on the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to underdogs with Kevin Rogers, senior handicapper, writer, insider from VegasInsider.com. Love his insight, and you're going to want to pay attention to these NFL... Uh, predictions, As I was saying earlier in the show, Kevin, two for two last week, and he has picked an NFL underdog successfully in seven of the last eight weeks. Rolling along for NFL purposes and underdog purposes. Uh, all right, so we've spent so much time on college football. Let Let's go to the NFL. And, and look, I know the game is on Thursday night. It is Three Dog Thursday. You may be hearing this show as the weekend unfolds, and you already know what happened with New Orleans and Dallas. But on paper leading up to this game, we're in the preview mode of it. This is going to be something else with New Orleans having won 10 straight. The Cowboys have won three straight and are at home. Man, this game has taken on some consequence, especially for Dallas in the NFC East race. They need to win. And who can beat the Saints? I mean, they just keep rolling along, destroying teams, uh, winning decisively over and over again. They beat the Falcons fairly decisively on Thanksgiving. Uh, blew out Philadelphia before that. Blew out Cincinnati before that. I mean, Kevin, you don't have to make a prediction on the game, but I think a lot of America is going to be intrigued on Thursday night football Saints-Cowboys.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you look at a guy like Drew Brees, you should be getting worse as you're getting older, not better. And, you know, you look at the numbers that he's put up, and and they've just been unbelievable. You know, and, you know, they're a kick away from being 0-2 to start the season. You know, we saw them lose to Tampa Bay in in the opener, but they still put up 40 points in that game. Their, Their defense stunk in that game, but... You know, for them to do what they've been doing the last few weeks, and then you look at Dallas, I mean, my only problem with Dallas is who have they beaten this year? You know, Dallas had a last-second kick against Detroit. They had a last-second kick against Atlanta. They beat the Giants at home they beat Washington without their starting quarterback on Thanksgiving. So I just kind of wonder like really, you know, Dallas doesn't have a lot of quality wins this year.
0: They did get the Philadelphia win too as part of the three-game win streak, but I know what you're saying. They did. Yeah, that's a fine.
1: That's a good win, but, but still the Eagles, some of the, the Eagles
0: are taking a step back. And some that. of the other ones, right, are questionable here. And the Saints, again, appear to be a juggernaut. That one should be fun. They, by the way, the NFL did flex and NBC flexed the Chargers and the Steelers uh, to Sunday night football. The Steelers off that loss to Denver. We were referencing earlier in the show, Kevin had the Broncos on three-dog Thursday. Roethlisberger throwing the interception from the goal line in the final minute. So one week, Roethlisberger scores on virtually the last play of the game to beat Jacksonville on the goal line. He throws the interception in the final minute last week when they were down by seven. So now Pittsburgh will host the Chargers where Phillip Rivers completed about 137 passes in a row against the Cardinals last week in the win. So we'll see what the Chargers have for that Sunday night game. You and I are staying away from both of those games. So that leads me to where do you want to go for the NFL and an underdog, sir?
1: I know they're ugly, but sometimes you got to go that direction. And I'm going to go with the San Francisco 49ers.
0: Ah. They're going to
1: Seattle to face the Seahawks. I know you saw the 49ers last week, and they got destroyed by the Buccaneers. Now it's a good win for Tampa Bay. They they needed a win desperately. But for San Francisco, what's interesting about them is two games they have played the best in this year were both as a road underdog, and they were both without Jimmy Garoppolo. Actually, it was with C.J. Beathard, was at the Chargers, they lost by a few points there. And at Green Bay, the Monday nighter that they had in the bag and they blew at the end, I mean, they lost Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, the 49ers are coming off this really bad loss. And the week before, they got tripped up by the Giants towards the end. And now you're getting double digits against a Seattle team that hasn't won three straight this year. The Seahawks off a very good win at Carolina last week. But still, you know, the Panthers went up and down the field on them. It's just that Russell Wilson made some big throws towards the end of that game keep the seahawks in it but seattle hasn't laid more than i think it's four or five points in any game this year now they're laying 10 to san francisco i just think that you can get some value with the 49ers this week even though we know the 49ers are kind of one of the dogs of the nfl still i just the, the spot for me says san francisco
0: very interesting that for san francisco they are depleted uh, in particular at the wide receiver position. Matt Breida, though, underrated running back. He ran for 100 yards against the Bucs last week. And they were, look, they were in the game in the fourth quarter. The game was a 20-9 game. They had the ball. They were driving. The Bucks got the stop and eventually got a touchdown to make it 27-9. The real question is, can Nick Mullins operate away from home? He won the home game with the Raiders on the Thursday night, lost on the Eli comeback on the Monday night game at home. He was rattled at times uh, by the Buccaneer pass. Rush, Jason Pierre, Paul. I saw this at field level. Mullins has some questions about his arm strength down the field and about whether or not he can make all the throws. And Seattle will be a hostile place to play the Seahawks in the playoff hunt. We'll see. But you're taking the 10 points and maybe it's a come down for the Seahawks after that dramatic win last week. We will find out. All right. I am being nostalgic here on the show. I have already earlier in the show taken Memphis for Three Dog Thursday purposes because they're having a rematch with UCF and I took them the first time in the first matchup with the nights in October and I covered on 3 Dog Thursday so I'm going back to a, a rematch game in that instance I'm going to another rematch game here. It was a push. It was not a loss or a win. I took the Jaguars and three points against the Colts, and they lost by three back three weeks ago. I'm going back to the Jaguars at home and a matchup with the Indianapolis Colts. Now, Kevin, this is the part of the show where you join in as my partner, and you ask me, why are you taking the Jaguars, who fired their offensive coordinator and have benched Blake Bortles? Go ahead.
1: Oh, Jalen Ramsey's not playing, probably, so that's going to help Jacksonville
0: out, right? Y- yeah, big time. So this is the part where you look at me curiously, even though I can't see you, of why would you take this game, right?
1: Why would, why would you take Jacksonville? Be- because, the, there,
0: like, ja- because the Jaguars are back home here, playing a team they're familiar with, and I think this shakeup is good. I think it will energize them. Oh, and the other thing we left out, Leonard Fournette suspended for the fight with Shaq Lawson of the Bills last week on the Bills' sideline. Uh, Kevin Wayne on that Real quick there, NFL players throwing punches at other NFL players with their helmet on is not the smartest of things. Uh, some would argue that's the most fire Jacksonville has shown in a month was the fight against the Bills, and they still lost the game. What what about that? I mean, Fournette's got to be smarter than that. He's their best player. He gets himself kicked out, and now he's suspended this week. You can't you can't be doing that stuff, right?
1: I agree, and it, it is silly when you punch someone else that's wearing a helmet. That The only thing you can hurt is your hand. I don't think you're going to hurt anybody that's wearing a helmet uh yeah it's pretty stupid and you know what i will say this from the game standpoint that jacksonville was down 14 nothing in that game they came back and tied and they had an opportunity to take the lead and they couldn't score from the one they missed a field goal it, there's the disaster and that was a game where you said you know what that one the pittsburgh game they've had some games where in, in the indianapolis game a few weeks ago in this afc south that's you know yes i understand houston's one eight straight but they could have with a couple breaks been in a wild card race and now they just like they 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 hurt themselves by losing these games. That's why they're sitting at the bottom of the division.
0: No doubt they've just dis- they've disintegrated at this point with seven straight losses. Still though, they fired Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator. They've gone to Cody Kessler, the backup quarterback, as a spark. Uh, I know Carlos Hyde has been belly aching midweek that he wants the ball more. He should get it more in this game with Fournette suspended. And the Colts have been rolling. They've now won five in a row. They're going on the road. This this to me says Jacksonville catches them early Sunday game one o'clock I'll take the Jaguars to outright win the game again Jacksonville you mentioned Ramsey may or may not play but he's been better uh, the last two or three weeks we'll see if he can play or not but Jacksonville still a solid pass rush I, I think they will find a way familiar opponent against the Colts to win this game I will take the four points I will go back nostalgically to Jacksonville again a second time against Indianapolis on three dog Thursday and take the points in that one. All right, so I think we've laid it all out here. We do have we have the Rams back in action at Detroit after that epic Monday night game a couple of weeks ago. They had the week off after the win over Kansas City. Can the Rams keep up with the Saints? Again, you may be listening to Three Dog Thursday. You already know what happened or didn't happen with the Saints and the Cowboys Thursday. We don't know that in the preview mode. Should be a great game. Um, and Likewise, Kansas City playing the Raiders, which should be an easy win. They're heavily favored in that one. Also, Minnesota at New England. Interesting game with the Vikings winning last Sunday night and New England being the all-powerful, mighty AFC team. That's another intriguing game for the weekend. So lots of pro football. And we have the wrap-up to the college season with the championship games. So, Kevin Rogers, lots out there for the fans to digest and consume. And you've got great information at VegasInsider.com, sir.
1: Yes, we do. And college football, even though we know it's coming to a close with championship Saturday this week, and then we'll find out who's playing all the bowls, who will be in the college football playoff, But still, you know, we have plenty of information on all the bowl games, the bowl histories. Once we find out the matchups there and NFL still with a month to go, NBA and college basketball rolling along, so is the NHL. So still a lot going on. Even if you're a huge college football fan and, uh, you know, your team is almost done, they only have one game left, depending on what bowl they're in, or if they're Alabama or Clemson, they'll probably have two games left. But uh, actually, Alabama's got three games left now, potentially but still a lot going on and check us out at VegasInsider.com or on Twitter at VI.
0: And follow this man at VI Rogers. Give him a follow. He's got a lot of humor. He's got a lot of great insight. Uh, Done well with the picks. Again, a 3-0 week last week. We've been rolling along on 3-Dog Thursday all throughout the college football season. A lot of success as well. Uh, Again, follow this show at 3-Dog Thursday. And if you have not, subscribe to this show. If you're just finding us through Radio Influence, subscribe. iTunes, the Apple Podcast feed Feature. Go to Google Play, go to Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts, tune in and subscribe to Three Dog Thursday. That way, it comes to you automatically on Thursday when there is a new show. It will ding on your phone, on your iPad, on your device. Uh, go and subscribe. Uh, rate the show, rank the show. Others will find it as well. Spread the word when you see us promoting it socially as well about Three Dog Thursday. We look forward to it. All right, here we go with Championship Saturday and the final four to be set up. By this time next week, we'll know the final for the college football playoff. I look forward to talking about it with Kevin Rogers again. My thanks also to guests Matt Zemick and Tim Brando of Fox Sports with me talking college football and the college football playoff. Kevin Rogers, thank you. Good luck with your underdogs. Enjoy the games this weekend, sir. Thank you, too, TJ. There is senior handicapper and writer Kevin Rogers, VegasInsider.com. I'm TJ Reeves. Enjoy all the action this weekend. We're back next week with the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs. It is Three Dog Thursday. Bye.
4: This is a Landry football with Chris Landry. Quick fix on Radio Influence.
3: Everybody knows that Mac Brown left Tulane in the late 80s, 1988, went to North Carolina and did a tremendous job selling a program at a basketball school that this could be a great place to build a football program. Um, the football operations facility that he got built, that he sold people on billing, is what, quite frankly, made North Carolina really relevant because it was a better football facility at the time than big-time places like Clemson and other places in the SEC because he was able to sell it that way. Now, everybody's starting to get the TV money and and are able to build that, but, but Mac is a salesman. That's what he does more than any. His ability to recruit and sell a program is really at a high level. Now, his ability to evaluate... Uh, Max is CEO type of guy. He's not going to spend hours and hours and hours breaking down film on recruiting prospects or, you know, uh, you know game plan. He's going to hire people for that. Now, that may, may be good. That may be bad. We saw him have success at Texas. We saw the program slip big time because even with the great resources, he didn't hire the right people and they didn't make the right decisions in recruiting. So there's going to be a little bit more patience at North Carolina to build a program. It's a great situation for Mac because he and his wife, Sally, love the North Carolina area. Uh, Mac has a place in the hills of Carolina, so they love it there. So um, she loves it there. Uh, Got a lot of ties there. So it's great for him. It is certainly a press conference winner for North Carolina. Is it the right hire? I don't know. The price of which they're paying him is not that much. And with the idea that he's going to spend a lot of money on coordinators. Chris
4: Landry brings you Landry football every week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com.